Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, yes, it is. We're rolling along. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance, our guest on the Goodyear Hotline. My buddy Tommy Waddle will jump in a little later. In this hour, we had David Pollack celebrating Georgia's win right off the top of the show. Our guest on the Goodyear Hotline, as always. Congratulations, Georgia. Congratulations, everybody. And all of a sudden, they're the state of champions, Brandon. You got the Braves raising the World Series flag. And David brought it up. I hadn't really thought about it. After all the heartbreak they've had there. I mean, Georgia has lost the most ridiculous games ever, including, you know, the Tua game in overtime and everything else. The Braves with a 3-1 lead in the NLCS a couple of years ago against the Dodgers. The Falcons with a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl, losing to New England. So Atlanta and that sort of area, that fan base, has gone through some heartbreaking losses. Now all of a sudden, bouncing back, Braves get a win and Georgia gets the win. And our college football play of the month is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. The college football season's now over. Fans are celebrating their victory. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. No question what was the play of the year, um, not more, much less the month, and that was that kid Keely Ringo making that pick six at the end. That's still a game. If, if you woke up this morning, if you didn't watch it last night, and all you saw is the final score, that does not do justice this game last night. 33-18 is the final score, but it was a good game. It was close to the very end. It's a one-possession game, and Alabama's trying to drive for a, a game-tying touchdown. And this kid, Keely Ringo, makes the, the play you dream about the rest of your life, a 79-yard pick six to seal a championship game with one minute left. Uh, and so that's all she wrote. So clearly that was the play of the night last night. A good night. Kirby Smart gets the title. That one will be with me for a long time. But this one will be with me for much longer. I'm proud of the University of Georgia, the support we get there. A lot of credit to Alabama. Coach Saban, they had a lot of injuries. You know, they lost Jameson Williams in a tough situation. But our kids kept fighting and never doubted. Yeah, I didn't even want to bring that up because uh, two things. One, it's so heartbreaking to me as an adult and a sports fan. And two, you don't want to rain on the parade of a team that just won the championship. But Alabama plays the second half of that game without their two magnificent receivers. They have two superstar receivers, like first-round NFL draft pick receivers. One of them, John Mechie, who tore up his knee in the first game between these two teams a month ago. And the other, Jamison Williams, who does it last night. And there's nothing to be done about it, right? But if you if you if you watch the end of it, and this is kind of all over Twitter, if you've heard it, Bob, I'm not sure if you've heard this, but when Kirby Smart and Nick Saban are meeting at midfield after the game for their pleasantries and congratulations, yeah, Kirby Smart kind of leans in and says, "How is Jamison?" And you can hear Saban say, "I think he tore his ACL." I so, saw that. Yeah, yeah, that we, was, we, that was tough. Yeah, it's brutal. So there'll be an MRI, and we'll find out. But you know, I'm very attuned to this stuff because I'm starting to look through players now. I'm, I'm uh, honored to be the host of the draft again this year for ESPN, as I did last year. And so I've just McShay is starting to send me some lists, and I'm just starting to look at guys. Everyone knows these guys. But Jamison Williams was the sixth-rated player in the country. This is a guy who figured to be a, a top 10, 12 pick in this draft. And we'll see how this affects it now. People will bring up the fact that Jalen Waddell broke his leg and still got drafted high last year. What did he go, nine or whatever it was to the Dolphins? But there's a big difference between breaking your leg and tearing up your knee in January. Those are two very different things. So it's just heartbreaking. You know, and while I was away, there was that big topic of conversation about the quote-unquote meaningless college bowl games and everything. And I know people got all bent out of shape about some things that that Herbie said and whatever. That's that's. It, to me, each person's opinion is their opinion. But I get it. I, I think that the the landscape of this has changed so much, frankly, uh, 
expanding the playoff, the best argument I can think of for it is the fact that the bowl games, the other bowl games, feel so much less important as a result. Like, I'm old enough to remember. So, so Bubba, here, here's what I would do. So I was thinking about this this morning. If you were to ask me, Greeny, why don't you redesign the college football championship system? We had, sure. we had, this, we had, we had like 100 years of bowl games. Then we had the BCS for a little while. Then we decided we wanted four teams, and now we have the college football playoff, and now they're arguing about They can't seem to figure out a way to make it happen, but they're trying to figure out a way to make 12 games or 12 teams work. If you ask me what I would do, I would go back to the old way. I would go back to the original way they did this. I would go back to the traditional bowls. It would bring back the sanctity of conferences. The conferences are all super conferences now at this point anyway. So give me the Big Ten and the Pac-12 playing each other in the Rose Bowl and give me all those tie-ins. Make the bowls matter again. Make that all feel like it feels like and then figure out a way to name a champion afterward. I actually think that was better for the, the greater good than this. How would you determine? Because I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm a big traditionalist guy, and I I would love to see the bowls mean something. Even the lesser bowls. I've always said this. I would just love, even if it was the lesser bowls, that the just the tie-ins just stayed the same. Where pick a bowl, and it was always just even if it's a lesser conference, whatever. You just knew, hey, it's always the MAC versus the Big Ten, whatever. But because every year it's a different team, different team, whatever. But how so? So the Bulls play out, and it's always the conference is playing. Then how would you determine the temp- champion? Are you saying there are a couple of ways to do it? Another CFP after it, or just no. go BCS? No, I would say we're done after the Bulls, like we always were in history. Yeah, and you let a computer decide who was the best team, or you let people vote, or you just—it's just somewhat obvious to everyone. And there were many years where there were split national champions and all the rest of that. And I've looked it up. I've done the research on this, Bubba. Yeah. They had split national championships many, many times over the years. Oh, a and lot of times. No one died from it. I looked that up. Really? No, no one? didn't kill anybody. The fact that we had national split national championships. Not one person? So if you want to make the games matter, then, then, then make the games matter. Then play all these games and have them all matter. Otherwise, just open it up to everybody and make it college basketball. Yeah. But you're never, you're never going to have people, and I'm old enough to remember when we had like the Tangerine Bowl. I, look, I'm all for having as many bowls as you want. The whole argument that there are, quote, too many bowls doesn't make any sense to me at all. That's like saying, I don't like what you post on Twitter. Then stop following me. <laughs> if, you, if you're not interested in this bowl game, don't watch it. I don't care if you do or you don't. There are plenty of people who are watching these games, and the kids want to go play. The schools want to go play. Let them play. I don't see why anyone has a problem with how many bowl games there are. But <clears throat> the connection of that the the logical conclusion of that is you also cannot expect all of the players the ones who have nfl careers waiting for them to treat this like it matters more than we're treating it like it matters like it you can't expect someone to jeopardize now again jamison williams tore up his knee last night that could cost him millions of dollars i hope to god not i'm i'm knocking on whatever i can find close here i don't even like saying it out loud because i feel i'm a 54 year old man talking about a 20 year old kid um but one way or another, that now there's nothing you can do about that. These guys are going to play for the national championship. But if he does that in a quote-unquote lesser bowl, even if that bowl is one of the big ones, I mean, you want to make the Sugar Bowl matter, make it the Sugar Bowl again. Put the SEC champion against whoever they used to. I don't even remember anymore. And, and, and put those teams in there and let them play, and then we'll figure it all out afterwards. But the bowls absolutely could matter again, and then everyone would play in them, and it would be great. 
And I, I, I think that you, we have sacrificed the many for the good of the very, very, very few. So I don't think that the system right now is ideal at all. And there are ways to go about it that I think will get better. The other thing I wanted to say very quickly about this, and then I'll get back to a bunch of NFL stuff, is I think Harbaugh is going. And here's the primary reason why. I, I, if you know me, you know I know Jim, but it's not, I have not talked to him about this. I'm not, I'm not reporting this. I have not spoken to people close to him. But here's what I will say. This has been out there too long not to be true. He would have shut this down. <clears throat> like if he wasn't seriously considering going to the NFL, I have to believe he would have shut down the conversation, right? Because recruiting Nuno is the lifeblood of all this stuff, and it cannot help recruiting. Right now, Ryan Day and all the other coaches, who's the coach of Michigan State? Um, uh, his name just jumped out of my head. Mel uh, Tucker. Uh, Mel Tucker. And all the other guys are walking into the houses of all these kids' parents and saying, you know Jim Harbaugh's leaving. You know he's leaving. He's unquestionably leaving. And that's just the way that business works. So if he definitively wasn't going, I think he, it's been out there too long for him not to have shut it down. Why do you think of that detective work by me, Nuno? I think you're right. I mean, there was a report last week that a uh, recruit's father said that Harbaugh told him, hey, I'm going to the NFL. So it's and if you look at it, and we'll get into it later, some of the odds of where, pe- you know, some of these bookmakers think yep. are whole and they're like Harbaugh is, a, you know, a favorite in a couple of them. Yes, I've got a few of those. In fact, let me pause briefly on that thought. Hey, uh, you know about the ESPN Daily podcast? It's daily, uh, hence the name, and it brings you a deep dive into a single story from one of our hundreds of reporters. It's presented by Supercuts. You can download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily. It's available wherever you enjoy your podcasts. I will go through those odds on who Vegas thinks is going to wind up the coach in all of these different places, plus the one situation in sports that makes the least sense right now. But up next, I just saw a story that came out while we've been on the air where someone has just received what I think is about the greatest honor I could ever imagine in sports. And you'll hear what that is next. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This is Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. My buddy Tommy Waddle coming up on the Goodyear Hotline as I continue live, as always, from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. And there's something I just want you to know. I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. So I can't imagine a greater honor than this. Bubba, jump on a microphone, because many people may not know this, but 
Uh, Bubba is a person who is much decorated and has received many honors in his career in a variety of different fields, including here in, in radio production. But if you think about all the different honors you could receive in sports, I saw a story that it was announced today that Augusta National has asked Tom Watson to join Gary Player and Jack Nicholas to hit the ceremonial opening tee shots oh, wow. at the Masters now and forevermore. And like those, for any of us who watch that, who endure and live and die with the sport as, as I do, it's, it's more, it's like a religion to me more than it is a sport or a game. Um, I can't think of something more spectacular to be asked to do. Nicholas has been doing it for a great many years. I don't know exactly what year he started. Arnold Palmer did it all those years and Gary player and, Look, I, I wish Gary and Jack Nicholas long, healthy lives. I hope they were around to do this for another 20 years. Uh, but it's a tradition that I love, and it has been served by many others in the past, the legendary names of the game. And now they've asked Tom Watson to do it. That I can't fathom, Bubba, a greater honor that you could receive in sports than that one. That's pretty good. And it's and like you said, even casual golf fans like myself, and I'm, I'm, I'm even least casual as you can get like i'm aware of that and it's something you watch and you're like oh that's pretty cool like you know you grew up seeing them and always aware of that happening and so yeah to know tom's doing that's pretty awesome and yeah i don't even know what you can think of other sports what translates that they don't really have anything in other sports that's like oh yeah and, and in this sport they do that so no i think it's it's an uh, unbelievable honor that's pretty cool tom gets to do that yeah you, you this is basically their way of telling you that not only are you a former champion and a great player, but you're one of the true legends. You're one of the immortals right. of our sport, and, and we want to celebrate you every single year, uh, basically for the rest of your life. I, I, I can't fathom a greater honor. So when I read that, I said, all right, i got to get this in on the program today amidst all of the other nonsense that we find ourselves dealing with today. Speaking of which, back to the New York Giants. So we were talking about head coaching situations, and I, I still cannot make sense of what is going on now with the Giants situation. I had Dan Graziano on before, and he said the Giants aren't allowing Joe Judge to pick the general manager. But they aren't firing him until they pick the general manager. They are consulting with him on their choices for general manager. And then they're going to let the general manager decide whether or not Joe Judge is going to remain the coach. And it brings up two things in my mind. The first of them is, as a general rule, when you're in a business that has been around as long as pro football has been, in around, has been around, and you're doing something that basically no one has ever done before, you're probably making a mistake. There aren't that many really good new ideas in football. Like, let's let the coach decide whether or not the general manager is going to come in here and fire him. That does not feel like something anyone has ever done before, and it feels like a terrible idea. The other thing that this demonstrates to me is the power of, I'm not sure if ego is exactly the word I want to use, but just think how badly the Giants feel a need to have been right about Joe Judge because if you're just sitting back and looking at the evidence, you can't defend him. Like the only defense that he has, that that there is of him, is, well, we keep changing coaches every other year and we don't want to keep doing that. That has nothing to do with him. The Giants managed to play an entire NFL season and their wide receivers caught five touchdowns this year. 
in 17 games. Their offense played 377 snaps over the last six weeks. Do you know how many of those snaps they took with a lead? Three. They had the lead for three plays in the last six weeks. 377 plays. They came in a game against the Eagles that, of course, they lost because they lost all those games by double digits, and they were non-competitive. And the coach waved the white flag, waved the white flag with the play call back by his own goal line. So the Giants are trying really hard to convince themselves of something that they will never convince the rest of us of, and that is that there is any reason at all to bring Joe Judge back as the coach. If you can make Ryan Clark this man. I'm so tired of Joe Judge. And listen, I wouldn't hate the Giants so much if I didn't hate Joe Judge so much. If he didn't always walk up like he was all swole and he was all big and bad all the damn time and lose every freaking game, I wouldn't even be upset if he was humble, right? If he wasn't arrogant, if he didn't act like he was Bill Belichick. You know what he is? Bill Belichick your ass out of the stadium because he's sorry as hell. (laughs) That was RC with me yesterday on Get Up, and it was very hard to argue with it. Okay, I promised you these odds. So Nuno and Bubba, let's go through these. I was I received odds. These are Vegas odds. Sportsbetting.ag has named the favorite for each team's head coaching job. So do you want to guess? Have you guys seen this? Bubba, have you seen it? No. Okay. You're not going to guess who they have as the favorite to be the next head coach of the Chicago Bears. I can tell you that Jim Harbaugh is second on the list. Leslie Frazier's name comes a little further down the list. It's not Brian Flores either. Who do you think they list as the favorite to be the next head coach of the Bears? Ryan Day? No, it's Doug Peterson. Doug really? Peterson, that's a name I, that you, you're wow. going to start to hear a lot. He's okay. also on the list of favorites for the Dolphins. The Dolphins' favorite, the, the favorite to be the head coach of the Dolphins is Brian Dayball. The favorite to be the head coach of the Vikings is Eric Bieniemy. The favorite to be head coach of the Broncos is Dan Quinn. So they got odds on all these different jobs and openings and everything else, and those are some of the names that they have. And then we asked Mike Tannenbaum to rank the six current vacancies so let's see how he feels Bubba of the six jobs that are open right now and I will read them in no particular order Chicago Denver Jacksonville Miami Minnesota Raiders those are the six if you were a coach and you were offered all six of those jobs which one would you take and and for those who are not aware you may not realize this but Bubba was one of the truly legendary division three college football coaches of all time long before his now very successful career in radio production uh, Bubba coached on the division three level uh, in college won multiple national championships and, and sent a few players to the league from that uh, that level so no, no one understands coaching better and, and he chose turned down multiple division one opportunities to, to pursue his true love in radio production uh, but that said you understand these openings so of these vacancies, if they offered you these six jobs, Bubba, which one would you take? I think I would. I think I would say Raiders. You would say Raiders because you like what? Uh, I just think. I think. I think. Obviously, they're in a pretty good position right now. Obviously, even just for the short term. I mean, they're the only one in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. but just just even long term, they've got. I, I think they've got. An owner who's clearly going to want to spend. Mm-hmm. They got the new stadium. They got a new or city. 
long, big fan base there. They're going to want to succeed in Las Vegas. It's an attractive place to for to sign free agents. I just think it's a good place to build and grow there. Uh, yes, you got the AFC West with uh, Mahomes, but I think the Raiders of all the other teams, that's probably the. Ideal How about spot. you, Nuno? If they offered you all six of these jobs, which one you taking? I would be tempted to take the Broncos job because they, if they get Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, they are they are the Tampa Bay Bucks with all the weapons they have. I think that's the place you win next year. I think that's right. I think if if you could give me the caveat, we're going to get Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> then it becomes a pretty. Let's put it this way. I'll actually I'll update that. Any of these jobs, if I got Aaron Rodgers, I would take it. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> that would become the number one job. Uh, coming up next, I will tell you what I think the number one job is, and I will tell you what Mike T thought the number one job is. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. So much left to get to on the program today. Let me bring in my buddy from ESPN 1000 in Chicago, former Bears receiver and all-around good guy Tom Waddle with me on ESPN Radio. Good morning, Tommy Waddle. Good morning, Greeny. How are you, buddy? Well, I'm good. I, you know, we have been talking about the Bears making this coaching change as a fait accompli basically since the end of September. Um, right. That it's, you know, it was almost hard to sort of grasp the fact that it is actually here. And, and we've been kicking around just how attractive a job this would be. There are six current vacancies. And Mike Tannenbaum said that of the six, he considers this the second most appealing opening behind only Jacksonville, and that is because he is completely enamored of Trevor Lawrence. And I thought about it, and I said, and look, I I would defer to you because you're watching this thing snap in, snap out every single day. I feel like the Bears are a lot closer to being good than most people might perceive them to be. They have better skilled players on offense than I think most people think. The defense is still pretty good. If you get the right coach and the right system in there that that turns Justin Fields into what he might become, 
I feel like the Bears could be a team that gets pretty good pretty quickly. Am I crazy, or does that make sense to you? Well, first of all, I would say it's obviously a good job. I mean, Chicago's a great town. Uh, it's a fan base that wants to love its team and is willing to give you a second and third opportunity to prove uh, that you've got everything pointed in the right direction. Um, charter franchise, the history here is, is unparalleled. Um, the problem with the job, from my perspective, is a couple of things. First of all, I don't value the roster as well, or uh, I don't look at it, and I'm not as enamored as, as many. I think the offensive line needs to be completely rebuilt. Right. Uh, I like Darnell Mooney. He's not a one and never will be a one because of his size. That doesn't mean he can't be a very good player. He had 1,000 yards receiving this year. He's definitely a guy you want in your huddle. Defensively, they've had some really good years, but they're long in the tooth. From a cap standpoint, they're probably middle of the pack. They don't have a first-round draft pick this year. Uh, so I look at them, and, and they also reside in the same division as the Packers. And to me, as a Bears fan, what frustrated me more than anything this year was that it felt like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers were getting along this year, which ticked me off as much as I can tell you, because <laughs> I want complete and total disarray up north, because it's the only way we can get past them. Um, I, I think it's a good job, but I think it, there's a lot of work to be done here, Grady. That's fair. But m- the most important piece, and the piece that most teams don't have, is potentially there. And and so for yeah. for all the ups and downs and kind of craziness that surrounded the Justin Fields thing all year, again, as someone who lives in it every minute, where did it net out? Like, wh- where are we right now as far as Justin Fields is concerned? It's really, it's a great question because I'm equal parts excited and, and disappointed. Uh, I mean, I'd be lying to you, Greeny, if I said to you, yeah, I was thrilled with what I saw from Justin this year. Now, I wouldn't lay all of the blame of his inconsistent and less than stellar performance at his feet. But, you know, the game plan initially when he stepped in in, in, in week three against Cleveland, I mean, that was a football crime what they asked him to do. They mm-hmm. basically pushed him down a flight of stairs, and it was, it, it was just horrible. Um, so th- there wasn't a ton of support. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, he, he, he didn't read things as quickly as you would like for him to read them. But that's the nature of the beast with rookie quarterbacks. Touchdown interception ratio wasn't what you wanted. Tremendous athlete, but at times became a little reckless. And then we saw him miss time because he did a better job when he came back protecting himself. But it's something he's going he's gonna to have to learn. There were moments that really wowed you. And there are things about him and his character that have you very excited. He's He's unflappable. I mean, there's no residual effect on him. When disaster strikes one Sunday, he shrugs it off the following Sunday. I think he's a great leader. I think he's a really smart player. It's just all got to come together for him. And he needs better guidance from his offensive coaches. He needs more help in his offensive huddle. But he also, you know, next year, we need to see him be more effective and more efficient as well. And so who's the right person to do it? Clearly, the, the, the most important – look, they, they brought in Matt Nagy with the express purpose of developing Mitchell Trubisky into a star, and we all saw how that went. So whoever they hire next, that's going to be job number one, is to turn Justin Fields into a star. Do you have someone in mind who is the right person to do that? I don't really have an individual. I think – I mean, like I'm not opposed to them hiring a defensive head coach mm-hmm. as long as that guy brings in a quality offense coordinator I, I think whether your head coach is is brian dable or josh mcdaniels or it's byron leftwich the guys that have accomplished a ton in this in this this industry in this league offensively 
Uh, I don't think it's necessary that you have to go that route, but whoever you bring in to run your offense has to develop not only the quarterback, but you've got to put him in a position to take advantage of what he does well. He's got to build around him. That's what Dable did so well with, with, with Josh Allen, and, and he had that history in, 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 in New England as well. It's what Greg Roman did and has done in both in San Francisco, going back to the times when our guy Jim Harbaugh was, was running the 49ers, uh, with cap and got the best out of out of Alex Smith and, and he's also done it in Baltimore as well. So whoever you bring in, that guy has to either be an offensive minded guy who can develop an offense around this talented quarterback or someone that's going to bring in an offensive coordinator who has that type of a vision or, or perspective in mind. Tom Waddle with us here on ESPN Radio, uh, does the afternoons on ESPN 1000 in Chicago and played for the Bears. And you mentioned our guy, Jim Harbaugh. He was your quarterback when, yep. when you were playing for the Bears. And his name, as you are well aware, is out there. Not as much, it feels. The insiders I've got on my TV show in the morning are telling me that he is not as much in the mix in Chicago as he might be some other places. Is your sense of it that he is going to come back to the NFL here? It is, and, and I have not, full disclosure, I've not had any conversations with Jim, but um, I, I think that there's a feeling out there that, that yes, he is open to coming to, to back to the NFL. And it's an interesting conversation we have in Chicago because it, he's a polarizing guy, you know, and, and you and I know that on a lot of fronts. But, you know, people, the downside is, was, well, look at his offense at Michigan. They couldn't keep up with Ohio State except for this year. Uh, hasn't been able to recruit the top line quarterbacks or hasn't that's fair. His, his bold performance for his teams at Michigan hasn't been overly impressive, but that's not an apples to apples comparison. That's kind of an apples to oranges comparison. If you really want to look at Jim, Jim Harbaugh's acumen at the NFL level, go back to his time at San Francisco and his four years at San Francisco. I think his team was like 44 and 18. He went to the NFC title game for his first three years in the league and went to a Super Bowl. Like he built a staff that had Greg Roman as his offensive coordinator and his defensive coordinator was Vic Fangio. Like you have to be open in my humble opinion to Jim Harbaugh being able to recreate some of that stuff in the NFL, because we've seen him do it at the NFL level before. And I just don't believe you can draw any long-term conclusions based on the ineffectiveness or the lack of explosiveness of the Michigan offense over the last couple of years. I think that's just too easy. It's, it's low-hanging fruit that I'm not so sure I put all my stock in. I agree. I mean, the two jobs are very different jobs. And Harbaugh, yeah. to your point, has proved he could do the first one in San Francisco. Um, and you are right. They, they were one play away from winning a championship, and they were one game away from being in three straight Super Bowls. So I'm completely with you on Harbaugh. H- how would that be received? Again, my understanding, and, and, and I don't know if you know differently, um, is that Chicago doesn't seem like one of the likelier destinations. But my recollection of Jim is that he had a very close relationship with the McCaskey family, which is the family yeah. that owns the Bears and is still in charge. And it isn't the same person anymore. That Back then it was Michael McCaskey making the decisions, and he's no longer with us. But um, that his relationship with the, the family that owns the team was extremely close back then. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, I, I think there was a, a ton of mutual respect. I know how much Jim uh, respects this organization in general. Um, I think Jim, you know, loved what Mike Ditka did here and, and played for Mike. And, you know, maybe Jim looks at this situation and the opportunity to kind of return this franchise to greatness. 
But, again, I haven't talked to him, so maybe Jim looks at the Dolphins' job or he looks at the Raiders' job or another job out there, I don't know specifically which one, and believes that he's got a better chance to win because of how the organization is set up. I don't know. You know, I don't have any inside knowledge on, on how Jim feels about how things work here in Chicago, but I do believe that this city, in most part, I mean, you have some detractors, but I think people would be interested in Jim. He, Jim's got a plan. You may not agree with the plan, but he doesn't come in and waffle. And he's got a plan, and I think he could put together a good staff, which is very important in the National Football League. And I think you'd find more people that would be open to this than wouldn't be open to this. And and I, I just don't know where the appetite lies with regard to the to the McCaskey family to, to go down that road. Look, I, I'll be as clear as I can be. Whatever team it is you are a fan of, if in the next week or thereabouts – you, you hear me say on the air, Jim Harbaugh has just become the head coach of your team. You should be ecstatic, ecstatic. Jim Harbaugh will win on the NFL level if winning is an option. I mean, there are certain circumstances in which nobody potentially could win. But if there is winning to be done, Jim Harbaugh will do it on the pro level. Yeah, I, 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 I would bet on I, that. I agree with you, Granny. Now, you may have some uncomfortable conversations with people inside the building over the course of that stretch because that's just the nature of the beast at yeah, times. But yeah. He's not an easy person. Some, uh, he's just he's, yeah. he's not an easy person, but <laughs> Bill Parcells wasn't an easy person. I don't think Bill Belichick is an easy person. I'm not comparing him yeah. to those based on the accomplishments, but um, there are a lot of not-so-easy people who wind up winning a lot of football games. Yeah, I, I'm open to the concept for sure, not just because he was willing to throw me a football when others weren't. Huh. Uh, I think his track record speaks for itself. And as you said, maybe they didn't get to the top of the mountain with Michigan. If you go back and look at his, every stop he's been at, and Sylvia and I have this conversation quite a bit, he made every place he joined a better place on the football field over the course of time. Did he get Michigan to the top of the mountain? Maybe not but they're a hell of a lot better off now than they were when Jim took over. It's not even close, and people have that so wrong. They were a 500 team in the conference for close to a decade before they hired Jim Harbaugh, and they've been immediately better. He had one terrible year in the middle of the COVID stuff, but they were better every single season since then, and this year they went, they won, they beat Ohio State, they won the the conference, and they made it to the playoff. Okay, Uh, Tommy, thank you as always. We'll see what winds up happening there. I'll check in again soon. Be well. Thank you. You too. That's Tom Waddle with us in Chicago. That's one of the many situations that I'm interested in here. I got a few things I want to do before we run. Make, make, stick with me here because I got a couple of very interesting things I want you to hear. The first of them is Matt Rule. It was Nuno who brought this to my attention. And do you want to hear, you know the expression, where did Hamana 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 come from? Was that, was that Ralph Cramden on the Honeymooners? Whoever it was that first said Hamana Hamana, that, that, that is like a person who does not have a response to your question, trying to talk their way into a response. So Matt Rule was asked, why did you pick up the fifth-year option on Sam Darnold when you traded for him last year, when you did not have to, and now you find yourself on the hook for this? Listen to him try and respond. Listen to how uncomfortable it is listening to him try to respond to that question. Yeah, uh, that, that, that was a decision um, uh, that we made um um, bringing him here to be the starter, you know, knowing that if he had a great year, that he, you know, he would, he would be a high, high you know, high price guy. And if 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 he's a starter at that number, it's, that's 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 low end starter money. So um, that was a decision made. Um, uh, it was a collective decision, and you know, um, 
I can't have much more to say other than that. <laughs> well, well, you haven't said anything yet. Well, I'm so, sold. <laughs> right? That's, that's a decisive person. That's a person who made a decision and is now standing behind it. Now, I, look, sometimes you make mistakes in life. They made a mistake with that, clearly. And he can't say that because Sam is still on the team. <clears throat> and in theory, could still be the quarterback this coming year. So that's a person answering a question to which he does not have an answer. Right. That, that, that is answering a question when you don't have an answer to it. There's one other thing I wanted to say today, and that is um, that yesterday we lost a name in sports that will be legendary to me forever. And because a lot of time goes by, sometimes people's accomplishments are not remembered. But I can tell you that Don Maynard, when I was growing up in New York as a Jet fan, was a larger-than-life figure in my house. Now, let me make it clear. I never saw Don Maynard play, or certainly not that I recall. His last year with the Jets was 1972. His last year in the NFL was 1973. I was a five-year-old kid. But the Super Bowl-winning Jets of, of Super Bowl three fame were like deities in my house. I know all of those names. I don't really remember any of the players. I mean, Namath is the one that everybody knows. But if I live to be 100... I will be able to just wake me up from a dead sleep when I'm 100 years old and say, Greeny, just start rattling off the names uh, of the Super Bowl three Jets, and I'll be able to do it. I'm Snell and Boozer and Lammons and, and, and um, uh, George Sauer and, and, and Don Maynard and Winston Hill and Randy Rasmussen was a rookie and, and all those different guys in the defense with Philbin and all these different – these are just names that were larger than life. But Don Maynard is actually a, a far greater player than just that. He was a legend in far greater ways than mine. At the time that Don Maynard retired, and he died yesterday is the reason that I'm mentioning this. At the time that Don Maynard retired, did you know that he was the all-time NFL leader in catches and yards? He had 633 catches and almost 12,000 receiving yards. That was number one in NFL history, both of those, when he retired. His Jets career ended in 1972. He still has... The Jets franchise record in catches, receiving yards, and touchdown catches. He is by far the greatest receiver the Jets ever had. In the Jets' history, they've only had one 4,000-yard passing season. 4,000. That was Namath in 67. That year, Don Maynard had over 1,400 yards and led the NFL. In the 68 AFL championship game, the one that got them to the Super Bowl... Maynard caught six passes for 118 yards and two touchdowns, including the game winner against Oakland in the fourth quarter. And he went into the Hall of Fame in 1987. His presenter was Joe Namath. So Don Maynard was a football legend well beyond my household. And I wanted to make sure that we made mention of him and his accomplishments today. Our condolences to his friends, his family, and his former teammates, who are certainly mourning his loss today. Thanks for letting me get that in. Thank you for a fun day. Congratulations again to Georgia champions of the college football world. And we will see you tomorrow back here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.